our hearts to be open. Lord, help me to be able to be used of you as a vessel as we look at this passage and look at this study tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to say the things you would have me to say as we're in Hosea 14, as we're finishing our study through the book of Hosea. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be able to apply these things. Lord, help us to be uh, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Help us to apply these things in our lives. Lord, please, I pray that you would help me uh, to be able to minister to your people. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're there in Hosea chapter 14, and like we talked about, this is the last chapter in the book of Hosea, last sermon as we've been studying through Hosea. And even though we're, we're leaving Hosea, uh, as far as Wednesday night Bible study, I hope you don't leave Hosea. Uh, you know, you continue to read it, continue to study it, and uh, keep it in your heart. We've learned a lot of wonderful things out of the book of Hosea. And you know what I like about Hosea? It's one of those books where you just kind of sometimes read it and think, oh, this doesn't apply to me, or this doesn't have anything for me today in our time. But as we go through it slowly and really break it down, we begin to realize that a lot of this stuff applies to us. And as we've been going through the book of Hosea, we've noticed a lot of preaching against sin, a lot of preaching against transgression, a lot of God's uh, anger coming out. And you've got to remember that God at times is an angry God. And He's angry at sin, and He's uh, wrathful towards sin. And of course, we know He's a loving God and a gracious God. We understand that. But you know... God ends this book, and we've just gone, you know, chapter after chapter after chapter of just, you know, rebuke and rebuke and rebuke. But God ends this book in, in Hosea, this chapter 14, and He gives uh, Israel, and He gives us, uh, and what I want to share with you tonight and give you tonight is three steps. He gives the people three steps that they must take in order to get right with God, in order to reconcile with God. God spends the whole book explaining to them how they are like an adulterous wife, like Gomer. God spends the whole book explaining to them how they are spiritually committing adultery on God. God explains, it takes the whole book to explain to them their sin and their corruption and their problems and their issues. But then He says, before I leave you, I want to explain to you the steps you must take to get right with me. That's what God said. And I want to show you just quickly tonight, as quickly as we can, three steps for how to get right with God. Number one, step number one, you need to recognize. Look at verse number one there, uh, Hosea chapter 14 and verse one. I want you to see this. The Bible says, O Israel, now notice this. God says, return unto the Lord thy God. He says the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that you left God. Because here's the thing. He says return, okay? But in order for you to return, you need to realize that you left. Are you following what I'm saying? In order for you to return, you need to acknowledge that you're not with God if you're returning to God. He says, return unto the Lord thy God. And here's what you got to understand, okay? In order to return, you need to acknowledge that you left. But in order to acknowledge that you left... You need to acknowledge that you're in sin. Notice verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, semicolon, for, that word for there means because, 
Because, notice, thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. The word iniquity is just another word for sin. He says, because you've fallen because of your sin, I need you to return back to God. He's explaining to them, he's saying, this is what you need to do. You need to return. But in order to return, you need to be able to acknowledge that you left. And he said, you've got to understand that you have fallen by your iniquity. You have gone away. Look at, uh, skip down just real quickly to verse number 4, same chapter. Hosea chapter 14, verse 4. The Bible says, I will heal their, if, I, if you don't mind uh, writing in your Bible, I'd underline this word, backsliding. You see that word backsliding? Go to Hosea chapter number 4, just real quickly. Ten chapters towards the left there. Hosea chapter number 4, look at verse number 16. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, For Israel slideth back. Do you see that? Israel slideth back as a backslidden heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. God is saying, and and, uh, you know, you may think it's a crude analogy or example, but this is the one that God gave. Whenever I read that that verse, Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Uh, you know, the word heifer there is talking about a cow. I think of a cow, you know, trying to go up a, a hill. And maybe they, they lose their, their, their footing there a little bit. And they begin to slide back. And the, their own weight just kind of brings them down that hill. And God is saying to His people, He said, you are like a heifer, like a cow that is out of control, sliding backwards. When you ought to be going forward, you're sliding back. He says then you need to return to where you used to be. Now here's the problem with most Christians. Most Christians will not live the uh, uh, life that God has for them. Jesus Christ said, I came to give them life and that I have it more abundantly. And most of us will miss out on that. Most of us will miss out on revival. Most Christians, just listen to what I'm saying and I hope, I hope the, the Spirit of God would use this in your heart. Most Christians will never experience revival in their heart. And if you're sitting there asking yourself, I wonder what he means by revival. That's my point. And the problem is that most of us have sin and problems and issues and we've gone away from God and we used to be at a certain place. We used to do certain things and we've gotten backslidden. But the problem is not that God can't forgive. The problem is not that God cannot help. The problem is that we're not willing to acknowledge the fact that we're in sin. Most people that that come for me you know, uh, to, to, to ask me advice or ask me, you know, what I do in this situation or, or what about this or what does the Bible say about it? The problem is most people don't want to admit that they're in sin. They don't want to admit that they're backsliding. God says, if you're going to get right, go back to Hosea 14. He says, he says, let me tell you what you need to do. He says, return unto the Lord. But notice, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. You say, I'd like to have revival. I'd like to be revived. I'd like to know the fullness of the Spirit. I'd like to know what it is to, to be walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Number one, you got to recognize your condition. And by the way, that's what you have to do to be saved. Recognize your condition. Recognize you're a sinner. See, most Christians will never do that. Go, go. You, you went back there to Hosea 14. Go to Hosea chapter 5. Hosea chapter number 5. Look at verse 15. Hosea chapter number 5 and verse 15. 
Hosea 5.15, I just wanted to see this. this is a very biblical principle. Hosea 5.15, the Bible says, I will go. This is God speaking, by the way. He says, I will go and return to my place. God says, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to go. Notice, till. You see that word till? The word till means until. I have that word till circled in my Bible. God says, I will go and return to my place till or until they acknowledge their what? Offenses. Just another word for sin. God says the first step you got to take is just acknowledge. Is just recognize the fact that you have slidden back like a backslidden heifer. Go to Isaiah chapter number 58. If you're there in Hosea, you want to go towards the left. A few books in the Bible, past Ezekiel, past Lamentations, past Jeremiah, and go to Isaiah 58. This is a very well-known passage. We've seen it oftentimes in our Bible, but I want you to see it again. Isaiah chapter number 58. You know the reason most people don't like the type of preaching that is done at Verity Baptist Church? I told you, most people don't want to acknowledge their sin. Most people don't want to recognize the fact that they've got a problem, that they've got an issue. And most Christians don't want to be told that they've got a problem, that they've got an issue. That's why most people don't like Bible preaching. Because Bible preaching will point out your sin. Are you there in uh, Isaiah chapter 58? Look at verse 1. We've seen these verses before, but I want you to see it again. This is how God tells you to preach. You say, how does God tell you to preach? You know, as a, as a pastor, you know, how am I, or you, you may say, well, I'm looking for a church, I'm looking, how am I supposed to find a pastor? What, what kind of style am I looking for? What's well, funny, because God tells us everything about life. You say, well, how am I supposed to preach? Look, look at Isaiah 58, verse 1. Cry aloud. I don't like it that Pastor Jimenez is always yelling. Well, this is Bible preaching. Cry aloud. Spare not. You know what the word spare not means? Don't leave anything out. Cover it all. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Now notice this. And show. Do you see that word show there? Now that's our word, S-H-O-W. And show. What, what, what is preaching supposed to show you? My people their what? Transgressions. What's transgression? Whosoever committed sin transgresseth the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. God says that one of the purposes of preaching is to show my people their transgressions. Look at the last part of verse uh, of Isaiah 58 verse 1. And the house of Jacob their what? What? You say, well, why do you why do we come to church and you're constantly showing me what I'm doing wrong? Because the only way to get you to revival is to first get you to recognize your sin. And the only way to get you to recognize your sin is to say, hey, do you see this in the Bible? That's not what you're doing. Let me show you what's wrong with it. That's Bible preaching. Now you say, well, I want to go to church where it's positive only. I want to go to church where I feel encouraged. Here's the problem. You feeling encouraged in your sin is not going to help you. You being encouraged in your filthiness is not going to help you. But someone saying, hey, that's not how you should be living. Hey, that's not what you should be doing. Hey, let me show you your transgression. Let me show you your sin. And you acknowledge that. Now you're on the right step. He says, acknowledge your sin. Go, go back to Hosea. Hosea 14. And, and, you, and you need to understand this. Not only are you, you say, say, Pastor Jimenez, you're always preaching negative. Okay, here's your positive. Not only are you to acknowledge your sin, but you got to acknowledge that God can help you. You talk to most people and you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Do you believe God can help you with that? No, I mean, He could. God can help. You know, most people say, God can help most people, but He can't help me. 
Really? My, my, my Bible says that nothing is impossible for God. My Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, I can't do that. No, but I can do all. See, we got to understand. Go, look at Hosea chapter 14. Look at verse 1 again. He says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. Why do you return to God? Because God is the one that can help you. And by the way, God is the only one that can help you. Look at verse 4. You say, I, I, I've got a problem. I'm backslidden. Look at verse 4. I, this is God speaking, I will heal their backslide. I can help you with it. I will love them freely. Do you remember just a few chapters ago, he said, I will love them no more? But not to you. He says, I will love them freely. For my anger is turned away from him. You've got to understand this. God can help you. Go to Isaiah chapter 13, look at verse 9. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 9. Isaiah 13, 9, the Bible says, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. What is he showing them? Their transgression. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Notice, here's the positive. But in me is thine help. Not only are you to acknowledge or recognize your sin, but you are to acknowledge and recognize that God can help you. Let me tell you something. You need to get to the place where you're able to say, I'm struggling with the sin of fill in the blank. And, we, and, and, and another blank and another blank and another blank. Because we're all struggling with a whole lot of things. You need to be able to get to the place where you can say, I'm struggling with the sin of drugs. I'm struggling with the sin of alcohol. I'm struggling with the sin of pornography. I'm struggling with the sin of anger. I'm struggling with the sin of depression. I'm struggling with the sin of my eating habits or my time management or the way I, I, I talk about people or the fact that I'm always gossiping or lazy. Whatever it is, see, as long as you think, oh, well, no, that's just not that big of a deal. That's just, it's not, as long as you're minimizing it, you're not ready to work on it. Amen. But when you say, okay, here's the problem. I can acknowledge. I can recognize it. I can see there's an issue. God says, now we can start doing something. You say, what do you do? Step one, you recognize it. What do you do? Step two. Not only do you need to recognize, number two, you need to get right. So how do you get right? There's only one way in the Bible God ever tells us how to get right. You know, and we recently saw this in the book of Judges a couple weeks ago. And God is showing it to us again. And sometimes I wonder when I'm preaching through these books, I wonder, God, why do you always work it out to where something I dealt with a couple weeks ago, now you're having me deal with it again. And I just think, well, God must just want us to hear it again. Amen. But if you look at Hosea chapter 14, don't you notice the, the, the verbiage? Look at verse 2. Well, just look at verse 1 again to get the context. O Israel, return unto thy, the, the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Verse 2. Take, notice what he says. I want you to see this. Because what did he tell him to do? He told him to return to God, right? Now notice what he says in verse 2. Take with you words. So here's what he's saying. He says, when you, he says, return to God. But he says, when you return to God, don't go empty-handed. He says, when you return to God, I want you to take with you words. You say, what kind of words? Keep reading. Take with you words, verse 2, and turn to the Lord, or return to the Lord, like it told us in verse 1, right? You say, well, what kind of words should I take to God? Look, look what it says. Say unto Him. He's telling you. He's telling you, return to God. He says, when you return to God, I want you to take with you words. I want you to say certain things. What am I supposed to say to God? Look what He says. Say unto Him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. You say, what, what is He talking about? Keep your finger there on Hosea. Go to First John. 
First John in your New Testament. First John chapter number one. Look at verse number nine. First John chapter number one. Verse number nine. First John one nine. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you everything you've been trying to get out of Dr. Phil right now. I'm going to show you all, all that insight you've been trying to get from Oprah. All that, you know, I need all this psychological babble. I'm going to help you right now, and I'm not even going to charge you $100 an hour. I'm going to tell you the one thing they forgot to tell you. 1 John 1, nine. The Bible says, if we confess. Do you see that word confess? You say, how does, how does the Bible say we deal with issues? Step one, you confess it. And how do you confess it before you recognize it? How do you confess it before you acknowledge it? Now notice this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say, how do I get over the sin problem? Step one, confess! That's what He's telling them to do. Go back to Hosea 14. He says, I want you to return to God. Look look at what it says, verse 2. Hosea 14, verse 2. Return to God, take with you words, and turn to the Lord, and say unto Him, notice what they say, take away all iniquity. What are they saying? Forgive me of my sins. Take away my iniquity. Receive us graciously. So you think, God, can I come back? Like, remember the prodigal son when he left his father's house? He came back saying, Can I come back home? He said, Receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. You gotta understand this. The way to get right, there's there's only two things to do to get right with God. The first thing is you gotta confess. By the way, that's what you have to do to be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus? You say, what do you do? You confess. But you got to understand this. And, and, and you say, well, why, why do I have to confess? Go to Genesis chapter 3. Real quick. Genesis chapter 3. There's only nine verses in this chapter, so we don't have to be very long tonight. But, um, but I want you to see this. Genesis chapter 3. you got to understand this, okay? From the beginning of time, human beings have had this issue where we want to constantly shift the blame. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It's not my fault. Now, now are you there in Genesis chapter 3? Look at verse number 11. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. Very well-known passage. Story of Adam and Eve, remember? Adam was deceived by the serpent. I'm sorry, Eve was deceived by the serpent. And then Adam was uh, disobeyed by listening to his wife. And Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 11. And he said, so this is God speaking, because remember, Adam just got done saying in verse 10, he said, I hid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11. And he, talking about God, said, Who told you that I was naked? Remember, they just ate of the, knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says, Who told you that I was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? God said, Did you do what I told you not to do? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat? Verse 12. Now notice what he said. Verse 12. And the man said, notice what the man said, The woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Did you just catch that? God said, Adam, did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat? No, no, it's the woman's fault. Now before we start getting too hard on the woman, uh, on Adam, look at what, look at verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. You know what the problem is with you and I? An old-fashioned preacher comes up and says, you know what your problem is, is you got a sin problem. And you say, no, I don't have a sin problem. It's how my parents raised me. It's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's everyone's fault, as long as it's not my fault. 
Now, I'm not minimizing the fact that you may have gone through some traumatic things in your life. But you've got to understand this. If you are going to get right with God, you need to confess your sins and quit shifting the blame. It's not stress. It's not busyness of life. It's not you don't know what I'm going through. It's sin. Just call it what it is. Confess it to God. But see, it's not just confessing sin. Go to Proverbs real quickly. Proverbs. It's not just confessing sin. You say, okay, so all i got to do is confess my sin. Just tell, tell God, okay, I'm dealing with the issue of pride. Okay, God, I'm dealing with the issue of not willing to forgive. Okay, God, I'm dealing with the issue of, uh, of hating my brother. Okay, God, I'm dealing with the issue of laziness. Okay, God, I'm doing... It's not, it's not just saying words. Just like salvation. Will saying a prayer get you saved? No. Proverbs 28. Now, we're not talking about salvation, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But it's not just words. Proverbs 28, look at verse 13. We saw this recently in the book of Judges, but we'll see it again. Proverbs 28, look at verse 13. Proverbs 28, 13, the Bible says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. By the way, let me just explain something to you. You can go ahead and look the other way all you want. You can refuse to acknowledge sin and you can say, no, I'm not going to recognize my part that I'm playing in that situation. But the, uh, as much as you want to cover sin, God says, look what it says, verse 16, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. If you want to not prosper in life, if you want to have everything go wrong in life, go ahead and quit, you know, keep just ignoring the fact that God is asking you to deal with certain things in your life. Just hide it, just cover it, and and you'll not prosper. That's okay. But if you want to prosper in life, if you want the blessing of God on your life, you'll deal with those issues. He says, he that covered the sin shall not prosper. But, here's the, here's the, the other side to that. Look what it says. But whoso... What's that word say? Confesseth. But notice it's not just saying words. And forsaketh them shall have mercy. See, it's not enough to confess. You must also forsake. Go, go, go back to Hosea 14. Let me show you this. Hosea 14. Remember verse 2? In verse 2 they confess, right? Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto Him, take away all iniquity. And receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. So, in verse 2 they confess. But I want you to see, in verse 3 they forsake. Look at what it says. Asher, which was probably the king of Assyria at the time. Who they're trusting in. Look what it says. Asher, notice, shall not save us. Does that sound like a positive or negative statement? That's a negative statement. They're saying, He shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. They said, we're not going to trust in Asher. We're not going to trust in his horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, Ye are our gods, for in thee the Father is by the mercy. Are you understanding what he's saying? In verse 2, what was the big deal that they were dealing with in Ephraim here? Idolatry. In verse 2, they're saying, God, forgive us of our sins. God, we're confessing our sins. But then in verse 3, they're saying, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to worship these idols anymore. We're going to make a change. you got to understand it. Go, go down to verse number 8. Uh, Hosea chapter 14, verse 8. Ephraim shall say, notice, the whole book of Hosea, God's just been dealing with them. Idols, 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 you're an idolatry, you're an idolatry. But look at verse 8. Now 
shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? Hey, that's good. It's good to, to say, you know, you say, I was dealing with alcohol. It's good, it's good to get to the place in your life where it's like, well, what does my life have to do with alcohol? Nothing. That's what they're saying. you gotta, you got to understand this. And if you would, if the Holy Spirit of God would allow you to apply this in your life, it would help you. You need to understand this. Something, you say, I want to get right with God. Then something needs to change. It's not enough to just acknowledge it and maybe even confess it. If you confess your sin and then go back to do the exact same thing, nothing happened. Our actions, and please please listen to what I'm about to say. Our actions affect our attitude. Now you got to understand this. Today, the psychology and therapy of today, the Dr. Phil's of this world will say to you, your attitude affects your actions. And they'll try to change your attitude in order to change your actions. That is the exact opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible says your actions affect your attitude. I remember I, I, I was... Uh, giving a little counsel to an individual one time. And they were saying to me, Pastor, I'm depressed. I said, why are you depressed? And I began to ask them questions. I found out literally, and I'm not mocking this individual, so please understand, but I found out literally this person spent 14 to probably, you know, 15 hours of the day in bed. Did not work. Did not go anywhere. The only time they came out of the house was to go to church, and they couldn't even do that consistently. And my response to the person is, if I live my life the way you live, I'd be depressed too. Well, no, no, no. I'm living like that because I'm depressed. No, no, no. You're depressed because you're living like that. If you change your actions, if you got up in the morning, if you took a shower, if you got dressed, if you went to work, if you served someone, if you love someone, you would notice that your depression would just go away. Amen. But see, our society says, no, we got to change your attitude to change your actions, so let's put you on drugs to change your attitude. The Bible says, change your actions and your attitude will follow. Amen. Serve God and your what, what do you do with Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve just messed up big. Did they not? I mean, they just ruined it for everyone. How would you feel? Would you be depressed if you were Adam? Just got kicked out of the paradise? But what does God say for them to do? Immediately, He gives them tasks. He says, Adam, get to work. He says, Eve, invest yourself in your children. And let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear about this. People, you, you are not, you know, you, you just got to understand this. You are not a drug addict because you're depressed. You're depressed because you're a drug addict. You're not an alcoholic because you're depressed. You're depressed because you're an alcoholic. And when you fix those things, and when you forsake those things, and you begin to change the things you do, the way you feel will also begin to change. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible says. You've got to understand, you've got to take different actions. So I struggle with my eating habits. You've got to change the way you eat. I struggle with pornography. You've got to change something about that. I, I, I struggle with my consistency. I struggle with my anger. I struggle with my time. Whatever it is, you're, you're, there's this thing in my life. 
change that. And I promise you, I promise you, when you begin to change your life, the things you do, your attitude will change. I, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now. I've got, I, I've got so many things. My wife and I, you know, my wife has, good night. I hate to be her. <laughs> but we're both, and you don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I couldn't homeschool, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, I've, I've got things in my life, I've got, I've got checklists in my mind. And I've got some, you know, physical checklists too. But you know, what I've noticed in my mind, in, in my own life, is I, I gotta, you know, I gotta write three sermons a week, I gotta get a certain amount of soul winning in, I've got to, you know, work on this, I gotta work on that. You know, when I sleep in, accidentally or whatever it is, and I get behind, I notice that I'm not as happy because I'm behind on the things I gotta do. Here's the thing, if I just took care of the things I need to do, I may be tired, but I'll be happy. You understand what I'm saying? I may be tired, but I won't feel like a failure. I won't feel unprepared. You gotta get this in your mind. The way you change your attitude is by the things you do. And you sit around moping all day, complaining all day, throwing yourself a pity party. Listen to me, pity parties are fun, trust me. I've thrown quite a few. But you know what the sad part is about a pity party? It may feel good while you're doing it, but when you're done, nothing changed. You still got all the issues you had before. You know what will help you feel better? Change. So how do you do that? Number one, you got to acknowledge that there's a problem. You got to stop having a blind eye to your sin and realize this is a sin problem in my life. This is why I'm depressed. This is why I'm upset. This is why I'm angry. This is why I feel the way I do. And then say, I'm going to attack that thing. I'm going to change. I'm going to confess it to God. I'm going to forsake it. And I promise your attitude will change. Step number three. We said number one, you need to recognize. We said number two, you need to get right. How do you get right? Confess and forsake. Confess and forsake. Confess and forsake. And by the way, don't forsake without confessing. One, the main problem I have with our worldly type psychology today is that they might teach you how to stop changing, how to make changes in your life, but they don't ever teach you to acknowledge the fact that you've sinned against God. You can't, it's not just forsaking without confessing, and it's not just confessing without forsaking. You need both. You need to be able to go to God and say, God, I have sinned against you. And be able to get that out of your life. Number three. Step number three. You need to get revived. Go back to Hosea 14. Look at verse 7. Hosea 14, verse 7. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall, notice this word, revive. Do you see that word? Revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. You, you need to... I, I want you to, to get this. Go to Hosea chapter 6 real quickly. Look at verse 2. Hosea chapter 6 and verse 2. Hosea 6, 2. The Bible says, After two days will he revive us. You see that? You say, what, what does it mean? You, who's ever heard this term before? Revival. Many preachers here. Well, I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for revival. And what they think revival is that, you know, God, the Holy Spirit of God is somehow magically going to make everyone, you know, become a Christian or something. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't force people to do anything. you got to understand this. And the Bible does talk about revival. Go back to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. Look at verse 15. 
We're almost done. I promise. We are actually almost done. Isaiah 57. Let me just show you. I'm going to show you. One, two, three, four. Four verses and we'll be done. And, and it'll be fast if you can keep up with me. Isaiah 57. Look at verse 15. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. The Bible says, For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wrought and smote him. I hid me and was wrought. And he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. That's not the verse I wanted. Good night. Isaiah 57. Oh, did I say, did I say that? I meant 15. 15. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. And by the way, God is the only one. We, we've been preaching a lot about pride lately. God is the only one. Notice. For thus saith the high and lofty one. God is the only one that can take those uh, adjectives. He is high. He is lofty. I love this. I love how the Bible says this. Talk about God. That inhabiteth eternity. By the way, that's why you can't put God down into a little idol. That's why you can't put God down into a little crucifix. God is bigger than all eternity. You say, why, why does God give us eternal life? We need to have eternity just to inhabit Him. It says, He that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a... Now notice, notice the, 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 the difference here. He's high, he's lofty, he inhabiteth eternity, he's holy. But notice, with him also that is of a contrite. You know what contrite means? It means like bent down. It means like in a, in a position of, of worship where your, your body is bent down to the ground. He says, he that is contrite and humble spirit. You see that? So this, he's high, he's holy. You and I, we are contrite. We are humble. Now notice what it says. That is of a contrite and humble spirit. Notice what it says. To revive... I really, I want you to see this. To revive the community. Is that what it says? No. To revive America. America needs revival. Is that what it says? To revive the what? Spirit. You see that? Is the spirit something that's inside or outside of you? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the what? Heart. Is your heart something in the inside or the outside? To revive the heart of the contrite ones. Here's what you understand. If revival is going to begin, it's going to begin right here. It's not going to begin, we're not going to have some church service where the pastor's preaching and yelling and all of a sudden the Spirit of God came down and we had revival that night. That's not how it works. It works in your heart. It begins in your heart. Go to, go to Habakkuk. If you're there in Hosea, go towards the right in your, uh, in your Bible there. And we go to the book of Habakkuk. And let's see, what I want you? Habakkuk chapter number 3. Habakkuk chapter number 3. And you got Nahum and then Habakkuk. If you get to Zephaniah or Haggai, you went a little too far. Habakkuk chapter number 3. Look at verse 2. Habakkuk chapter number 3. Verse number 2. Look what it says. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord. Now notice this. Revive thy work. In the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath remember mercy. Now God can send revival to a work. But you got to understand this. If we're going to have revival at Verity Baptist Church. If we're going to see more soul winners than we've ever seen. More converts than we've ever seen. More all of that than we've ever seen. We're going to have to see more people getting right with God in their hearts than we've ever seen. 
That's where revival begins. You acknowledge sin, you confess your sin, you forsake your sin, and then all of a sudden, God begins to do something in your heart. And that's called revival. Say, what is revival? Go back to Hosea chapter 14. Revival is the blessing of God. Remember, he that covered the sin shall not prosper, right? Hosea chapter 14, we're almost done. Look at verse 5. Hosea 14, verse 5. Look at, look at how God said. Look what God says He's going to do for His people. He says, you're going to return. He says, you're going to re- uh, realize. He says, you're going to confess. He says, you're going to forsake. Now notice, notice verse 5. Notice what God says, I, I will do. Well, look at verse 4. I will hear their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from them. Verse 5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. The dew always is a representation, not always, but it's a representation of the blessing of God. He said, He shall grow as a lily, and cast forth his root as Lebanon. His branches shall spread. He's using the example here of a tree. If you were a tree, would you like to be described like this? His branches shall spread, and His beauty shall be as the olive, and His smell as Lebanon. You know what He's saying? He's saying, I'm going to bless you. Go, just real quickly. Keep your finger there in Hosea 14. Go to, go to Psalm 1, real quickly. We're going to look at Psalm 1, then we're going to look at Hosea 14, verse 9, and we'll be done, okay? We'll be done with the book of Hosea. Never have to hear me talk about Hosea again. Probably not, but you know. Hosea 14. I'm sorry, good night. Uh, Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Look at verse 1. Psalm 1 and verse 1. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man. Prospering is the man. Revived is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the corner. This guy confessed, this guy forsook, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and would you like to be, your life to be described like this? And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper? I don't understand how you and I think we're going to prosper in our lives as we get away from God. See, you understand this. If you're saved, you don't play by the same rules the world plays. That's right. You understand that? You can't. You say, I want to be successful in life. You as a Christian, as a son of God, cannot be successful in this world the same way that the world is successful in this world. Amen. The world will cheat and lie and, and ignore their family and ignore everything. And, they'll just, they, and you'll see them. They'll just prosper. They'll be successful. But you know what? They're going to die and go to hell. That's the problem. You say, I'm going to try their way. I'm going to cheat, I'm going to lie, I'm going to do everything I can. And you'll never get to it. Why? Because we play by different rules. We have God. And the Bible says, seek ye first His kingdom. You must keep God first. Go back to Hosea 14. Hosea 14, we're done right here. Hosea 14, look at verse 9. We said, number one, you need to recognize your sin. Number two, it's not enough to recognize sin, but you need to get right with God. Confess and forsake. It'll help your life. And when you begin to confess, and you begin to forsake, and your actions begin to change, your attitude will begin to change. And your attitude, God will bring revival into your heart. Now look at verse 9. We're done right here. I'm going to show you two things we're done. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. I I love how God ends the book of Hosea. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. You know what God is saying right here? He's saying, if you were smart, you'd listen. He said, if you were smart, you would listen to what I just said. That's what God's saying. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. And then he says this. 
It's your choice. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressor shall fall therein. It's your choice. But if you're smart, you'd apply the things that we just talked about. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, thank you for the book of Hosea. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to finish this chapter and be able to see that you did not just leave us with your bad, but you also gave us instructions as to how to get right with you. Lord, you know that more than anything, I love to see this church continue to grow. I love to see this church continue to win souls, to see salvations, to have more converts and more people than we've ever had. But Father, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to, in our hearts, search and get right with You. Father, help us not to be allowed to be drawn in like we talked on Sunday morning by the accuser who's constantly trying to bring our past up. But Father, help us to be able to realize if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to just walk in that. I may be a sinner, but I am saved by grace. I am forgiven. Lord, help us to get our hearts right. Help our hearts to be revived. Help there to be a revival at our church, but that it would start in the hearts of these dear people. Lord, that it would start in my heart. Father, thank you for allowing us to be able to study the book of Hosea. In your precious name I pray. Amen.